welcome to Beyond the Resume, a student podcast hosted by myself, Gaurav Aswani and my co-host, Armana Randhava. And this is a podcast where we try to break down concepts in finance and bring awareness to the various careers in finance from investment banking to asset management, financial analysis, business analysis and many, many more roles. And today to for the cause we have with us Nikunj Kedia. Nikunj Kedia is an MBA from the Ellen Wellinger Institute of Management in Bombay. And Nikunj has a lot of experience working in various roles in finance from working in a startup to working at Yes Bank to working at various CA firms. And finally, he's also worked at IIFL as a financial advisor. And now he works as a partner at a family office called Marwar Capital. Nikunj will shed some light on the various work that goes on in family offices and the state of the capital markets in India today. Here is an excerpt of our conversation. I hope you enjoy. What are alternative investments? Hey, hi, Gaurav. Hi, Armano. Thank you so much for having me here. So, uh, you know, you've already introduced me quite well, so I won't, uh, you know, dive into that. But uh, yeah, to answer your question about alternative investments, uh, basically, the asset classes, apart from your equity, bonds and cash uh, would be classified as alternative investments. Uh, Over the last few years, uh, they've uh, gained a lot of traction, especially in India. So, you know, you have your uh, private equity and venture capital. You have uh, your hedge funds, uh, even if they're long-only hedge funds, we include them as uh, alternative investments. And you also have a lot of real estate and hard assets, as you call them. So together, they form a part of your portfolio and uh, give you a more balanced uh, and more nuanced approach as opposed to just uh, equity, bonds and cash. That was extremely well put, Nikunj, especially because now it's gaining a lot of traction in India, but it was probably not all that uh, famous a while ago, and many people may not know exactly what alternative investments consist of, uh, but it's great that the way you explained it. My next question to you would be, what work is carried out in investment management? So in investment management, our major role is to manage the wealth of the family, And uh, for that, we look at uh, various asset classes. Uh, We look at uh, various managers and deals uh, under those asset classes. And, uh, you know, the the main main aim is to uh, pass down this wealth to the future generations. That is quite concise and elaborate. Sometimes a lot of people in the finance industry, they throw on jargons and make things very complicated. I think that was a very simply put answer. Thank you for that. Um, my next question is, how does a family office like Marwar Capital work when compared to a corporation like IIFL? So to understand this, uh, the, the most basic difference is IIFL is a sell-side uh, you know, advisory firm uh, where they would uh, offer you a plethora of options uh, in terms of funds or deals or uh, uh, you know, uh, transactions. Whereas at Marwar Capital, we are uh, a buy-side, uh, uh, you know, family office where we only invest our own capital and, uh, you know, evaluate different options. Uh, apart from that, we are also a lot more uh, nimble and opportunistic. We uh, pounce on uh, any inefficiencies or opportunities that we uh, evaluate pretty quickly. 
along with that i would also say that uh, one of the biggest difference is that uh, you get to meet a lot of uh, different kind of people here so uh, you know in ifl it was more uh, you know client oriented or uh, providing solutions to people to build their portfolio here i am uh, charged with building our own portfolio it was really interesting to know the difference between marwar capital and something like ifl and how um, a family firm like that mainly focuses on their own portfolio diversification and how efficient they are to point out the inefficiencies and uh, work on them and also look at the opportunities so i think that's a very interesting perspective uh, moving on i would like to ask you as the partner what are your responsibilities associated with the role and what kind of work do you do so my number one responsibility is don't lose money and uh, you know to accomplish that uh, we look at various uh, asset classes we look at uh, you know how our portfolio is currently structured and which uh, funds or uh, transactions would add more value to it we also uh, are very cognizant of uh, you know market forces uh, too much liquidity in the market right now how it's going to look maybe 3 years down the line then 5 years down the line and then 10 years down the line so all of these things uh, are you know something which we need to be very uh, focused on apart from this uh, i also have to uh, do the due diligence for any transaction that i am interested in we also prepare uh, ic notes and present them to the investment uh, committee for their approval or uh, you know basically we drive the deal end to end because that sounds like you wear a lot of hats in your role as a partner Marwar Capital, and I'm really curious to know what does a day in your life look like. You get to meet a lot of different kinds of people. You get to speak to a lot of uh, you know uh, industry heads as well as uh, other decision makers who are uh, in the same boat as you. Probably you know maybe evaluating different uh, transactions, but largely everyone's goal is the same, right? To make more money from what you already have. Uh, again, uh, a day. the one of the one of the best things about a family office is that uh, you know no two days seem the same because uh, one day i might be uh, you know busy with paperwork uh, going through pitch decks or evaluating uh, a fund or uh, looking at some transaction that has come across from someone that we know the other day might just be three or four uh, meetings back to back and i i might just spend the entire day speaking with different people and and you know they, those calls may not even be related to each other so it's basically just transitioning from one thing to another so every day is very uh, different and agile but also very interesting so you don't get bored because no two days are actually the same it is so cool to know that in a family office the work never stays um static there's so many new things to learn so many people to meet it's a very dynamic environment it's intellectually stimulating because you meet so many new people and uh, i would uh, the next thing that i would like to ask you is probably related to this only uh, we would like to know the most exciting parts about your role and if there's any specific incident that stands out so yeah my role is pretty exciting and the absolute exciting parts about it i would say would be meeting the most different kind of people that you can imagine so you know one day you'll be meeting a startup founder another day you'll be meeting a fund manager and a third day you'll probably be meeting an, a counterpart at another family office or at some other large investment firm 
so everything is different uh that's i think uh, you know the 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 idea that it never gets stale and it's always uh, very different is very exciting but uh, also that uh, you get to uh, you know drive everything from end to end you're not uh, stuck in any one part of a transaction you're not just you know advisory or just uh, due diligence or just deal sourcing it's uh, all encompassing in a way uh, uh as for any specific incident that stands out uh, there are a few but uh, i am not at liberty to discuss those uh, one very interesting thing which happened to me around this time last year uh, was uh, i was chatting with this uh, uh, gentleman who had uh, you know just uh, ventured into uh, cryptocurrencies a year prior to that so he was already doing it since 2019 and uh, you know because of the wild fluctuations in the overall market last year he ended up making about 8x in a matter of 2 uh, months and then he went off on a vacation for the next 6 months that sounds really incredible i think all of our audience can attest and will want to be in the same position as the gentleman you spoke to you know a lot of times as finance students we just know what we're studying and what degree we want to get but we don't really know what we would like to work as or where we would like to work and relating to that i would want to ask you would you recommend a career in investment management to younger people well it largely depends on what your interests already are so you know finance first of all broadly is divided into various uh streams which i think are actually stand alone by themselves even though we club them all under finance a lot of them may be unrelated to investment management in, at all so in fact i would suggest that you spend the first maybe 2 or 3 years uh, especially while you're in college or just after college exploring the field understanding what are your likes and dislikes uh, you know what you want to build a career in because maybe 3 4 years down the line it will be difficult for you to switch your uh, career paths uh, especially if you get into a corporate culture so you know take the time out to evaluate whether you like uh, maybe corporate finance or investment banking or investment management they are all very different okay so uh, you know if today as an investment manager you tell me to start uh, managing a treasury uh, of of some large corporate or a bank or you ask me to make uh, economic uh, you know predictions uh, although all of it comes under the gambit of finance i might find it a bit challenging to be as good as someone who specializes in each of these functions might be as you are really leaving to hear that we can take the time to explore now in our graduating years or just after graduation and really understand where our likes and dislikes lie because many a times younger people are just ushered into certain popular fields and um, your counsel really brings a lot of relief i think to myself and armana i'm sure uh, many people listening right now will also relate to that um my uh, next question to you relates with your education what kind of education skills and accolades Do you think are required to break into the world of alternative investments? So, first of all, I would like to dispel the notion that uh, you know education is the be all or the end all of uh, you know finance. You can uh, you know have the financial triumvirate and still be uh, you know in a job profile which you don't really like or you don't really uh, you know prefer it compared to maybe something else that you might have been doing. 
on the other hand uh, you could just be a graduate with some very solid work experience and fantastic networking and you could probably be uh, you know heading a, a large investment team or, or managing a large corpus of your own so i i don't think there's i would say there's a direct correlation between the two but uh, getting relevant education is uh, you know makes it a lot easier and helps you save a lot of time gives you a lot of expertise on in what you do as well uh, you know so for example if you like uh, say corporate finance or uh, uh, you know something which is unrelated to investment management doing a cfa would not be very helpful to you on the other hand if you want to you know if you're interested in risk management you want to become a fund manager or an investment manager then doing a cfa is you know uh, going to help you it'll boost your career say maybe 3 to 4 years uh, you know you'll probably be able to achieve your uh, goals much faster you'll be probably better at your job if you uh, you know apply what you've learned well uh, also you know you can always pick and uh, choose things from different courses and do them for the sake of learning instead of just for the sake of the degree that's always something which we recommend so you know uh, till date uh, most of the uh, mentors and seniors that i uh, have worked with and i uh, look up to uh, they continue learning even today and they always make it a point to share with me what they are uh, currently you know focusing on and how that is going to help me uh, if not today maybe a couple of years down the line when i'm in uh, another different kind of uh, position of when the markets change as for the skills you know networking is a very very underrated skill uh, especially when you're younger because you feel that uh, you can probably only do it once you start working or once you have some sort of uh, meaningful experience uh, which is not true and i think uh, all of us including me lose out on a lot of uh, valuable time because we don't network efficiently uh, secondly you know be curious if you're not curious about uh, what you are uh, trying to learn about you're not really setting yourself up for a career you're setting up yourself up for a job and that is always likely to end up in disappointment um it's so amazing how you pointed out a lot of crucial things that students especially need to take care of in your answer when you said that it's not as important accumulating a lot of degrees but not knowing what to do with them relevant education is far more helpful and it does and like uh, just because you may not have a lot of degrees doesn't mean you can't make it if you have a lot of skills or how important networking is i think that is so important for a lot of people to know because when you pointed out the difference between people aiming to get just a job or people aiming to do really well in their career i think it's amazing because we need to keep learning and uh, doing things for the sake of gaining more knowledge is also i think people have forgotten that in our education system um and it's it's so great that you reiterate that you reiterated on that so coming to networking and that part of your answer um i would like to ask you how was your mba experience and what learnings did you take away from business school so i had a fantastic uh, experience you know because back then we still were uh, allowed to go to college so i could meet my uh, colleagues and my classmates in person uh, met a lot of wonderful professors a lot of industry experts as well uh, had a lot of hands on uh, you know uh, internships and a lot of other experiences that uh, obviously the last year has made very challenging but uh, as a program you know mba is one of the most uh, sought after largely because it is so wholesome 
even if you're specializing in finance, which I'm, I'm assuming almost everyone listening to this podcast would be, or, you know, operations, marketing, it would, uh, you know, never, uh, it does not hinder the other aspects of it. You can always uh, learn the other aspects which are important for any sort of business or investment. Uh, my key learnings from business school were to network, 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 and that presentation really matters. If you cannot present something well, uh, however good you know your idea might be or your thesis might be, it's not going to be accepted, and you're going to spend a lot of time. You're going to waste a lot of time trying to convince people of something which is actually a very good idea. So by not presenting something well by not articulating it well you're doing a disservice to yourself uh, to the idea and to whomsoever you're trying to explain it that's really really uh, eye-opening because uh, although we do say that substance over style i think ultimately um, many of us and i think all of us are very superficial uh, when you look at it and we only um, are receptive, receptive to an idea when it is presented to us uh, appropriately. And uh, I think the students listening to this right now must be really envious of your uh, uh, college-going MBA experience. Um, for students still studying their bachelors, however, what advice can you give them? Explore. Uh, please explore the world of finance. Understand the different uh, facets of it. Uh, you know, break them down into smaller bits if that helps you better and try to get as much uh, knowledge in terms of both depth as well as breadth because uh, you really don't want to, uh, you know, spend three years in college thinking that this is what I want to do just because, uh, you know, you have this uh, glorified idea of one aspect of finance. You know, just say, for example, just picking it up because it's usually the most uh, sought after. Say you just want to get into investment banking. Try to understand it before you dedicate your entire energy and efforts towards it because you really don't want to end up after three years thinking, oh, I did not want investment banking. I wanted investment management. So, you know, uh, speak to as many people as you want. Speak to your peers, uh, speak to seniors, speak to... And I know that not everyone has, uh, you know, access to industry experts, but I'm sure everyone knows someone or the other who uh, is in the industry, in the finance industry. So try to reach out to, you know, people whom you even know vaguely and get their perspective on it, get their take on it and uh, see what suits your interests and your personality the best. It will definitely help you achieve more success and more satisfaction in what you do. Uh, you know, try to get as many uh, internships as you can. Try to work with as many different kinds of people that you can. Uh, and also please definitely be... Uh, aware of what's happening around you in the world of finance, uh, whether it is uh, reading the newspaper or uh, staying updated on the news. And now there's just so much more data and news to be updated on. It's it's very important that you pick some, uh, you know, right resources to stay updated on and stay current uh, or you, you risk uh, losing out on a lot of uh, opportunities. I want to move on to the current affairs and contemporary events segment of the podcast. Uh, as someone who is very interested in capital markets, uh, how does the startup scene in India look right now, Nikunj? It's never looked better. 
never before has there been so much uh, opportunity in the indian market that you come with a good idea and you will find so many resources available to you capital the scalability a market people who are willing to work with you i think you know uh, everyone focuses so much on uh, venture capital as an asset class exploding that you know there's so much liquidity in the market and people are investing so much money in it there's so much capital available they don't uh, focus on the other aspect of it which is it's actually uh, become i wouldn't say easy but easier to hire people uh, to work at a startup which wasn't possible 5 7 maybe 10 years down the line uh, earlier it just you know people just weren't willing to leave their own uh, uh, you know corporate lives or steady job and take the risk of a startup and that has changed in a very very big way uh, you know i would say that's even more important than capital because capital is something which if not in india was always available somewhere so if you really had a solid idea you could have found the money from somewhere or the other but to f- be able to attract talent now uh, that is pretty incredible also uh, you know for students it opens up a lot of avenues because being uh, able to work at a startup now is no longer seen as a failure that you weren't able to get a corporate job that's why you went to a startup in fact uh, a lot of uh, unicorns also prefer that you have either worked at a startup or been a startup founder yourself uh, if they're going to hire you just because of the fast pace of the uh, you know the startup scene and the Uh, agility that you will bring to the team and also the ownership that you take right if you're at a startup you know that uh, being a, a marketing head doesn't mean that you're just a marketing head you have to take up whatever hats are handed to you in the moment apart from that definitely you know coming back to liquidity i cannot deny that you know there's just so much of it going around that the amount of money that is there in the market is crazy obviously uh but also the market is too large right it has really expanded a lot as well so it's not as if uh, the market has not grown and the m- money has just been being pumped in like what the fed has been doing the market itself has just expanded so much and a lot of uh, you know global uh, vcs and pes are now looking at india as a very attractive opportunity which is fantastic for the indian ecosystem it just helps the entire ecosystem grow in such a big way and this is exponential growth so uh, great for uh, the startup market uh, the startup scene as well as uh, the entire country in a way a very unique insight that was provided here was probably the way there has been a shift in perspective startups and people working at startups are not are no longer viewed as uh, people who failed at what they were trying to do before or failed at getting corporate jobs i think that's amazing and the listeners right now who are budding entrepreneurs among us must be really encouraged to hear the sounds from you and to know that the startup scene looks really really good in india right now because of various factors but um, what mainly would you attribute its growth to this kind of growth especially exponential so a couple of things obviously capital uh, because you can't really grow anything without capital you might have the best idea you might uh, invest in the best kind of thing but if you don't have meaningful capital involved it's not going to grow or even if it grows it's not going to uh, amount to anything so definitely capital but also success uh, you know you started with the uh, the the old uh, old startups uh, your paytms zomatos ola flipkart 
and you see that they have actually been able to scale up uh, they've delivered on the kind of promise that they uh, meant to in terms of uh, user growth or actually capturing a large market share being able to scale up their operations exponentially that that really attracts a lot more uh, capital to india so now you have your sequoias and the soft banks looking at uh, the indian markets favorably and they are actually putting in serious money here it's very important right and uh, apart from that you also see that a lot of people are willing to uh, start small right and so earlier even even in startup scene you would see that people would earlier aspire to maybe uh, work at an ola uber now they don't mind uh, having their own startup even if it's something uh, much smaller they they have that vision that you know because the market is so good we can scale it up if there is merit in the idea right so that's very important uh, having conviction in your ideas having an ecosystem which uh, helps you uh, you know uh, progress these ideas along and also globalization so today if you're starting up in india you're not limited to india you know that uh, if not right away maybe a couple of years down the line uh, foreign markets open up to you so you can be selling your products or services uh, globally especially uh, you know if you're a fintech or a saas related uh, startup it's a lot easier if you come up with a, a good digital solution to be able to go global and that that really helps in a very big way so there are just so many factors uh, you know the world has changed a lot in the last 5 years and uh, definitely for the better we've seen no uh, access to international capital even in uh, the case of zomato where i think tiger management had popped popped in uh, hundreds of millions of dollars into the company and uh, definitely that uh, encourages a lot of people to start up with the rewards of scaling and uh, having their own little vision i would like to ask you nikunj why are there so many new unicorns forming in the indian startup ecosystem hmm. well a because uh, the kind of growth that india offers is probably uh, not easily achievable somewhere else so again largely driven by global uh, uh, you know capital but you'll be surprised to see how many indian uh, vcs and even uh, you know smaller investors are uh, uh, taking are participating in this uh, you know venture capital space so the 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 main reason for the new unicorns again obviously liquidity definitely but also growth right uh, covid actually showed that there are a lot of uh, pandemic resilient businesses india as a global market uh, you know can uh, withstand uh, shocks which people had not even imagined forget modeling for and uh, that that just has attracted so much confidence that uh, people don't want to miss out on uh, investing in these so uh, select opportunities although you know the entire ecosystem is getting a lot of capital uh, these are the front runners largely because they've shown so much uh, potential and growth and vc is all about that right you bet on potential and then you hope for the results talking about uh, hot topics and coming to a more mainstream one uh, this question is related to us wanting to know what your thoughts on the sensex breaking 50000 points and the nifty bull run are so yeah as uh, you know a lot of people had expected that uh, there will be another steep correction because of the second lockdown the second wave but obviously that hasn't happened and again it is because 
uh, you know, markets need not always be fundamentally driven, right? Uh, a lot of times it's just about uh, market perception. People saw last year that uh, Indian markets are pretty resilient. They're able to withstand these kind of external shocks and uh, are well backed by the RBI and the government, which is why there wasn't the kind of panic this year that we saw last year uh, about 15 months ago. Uh, coming to the Sensex breaking 50,000 points, uh, you know, we've been betting on uh, the Indian uh, markets since a very, very long time and always think that, you know, in the long term, you go you go long on India, you never bet against uh, the in Indian economy. So the, the bull run still has some legs, but again, nobody can predict what's going to happen a month from now or even say a year from now. But, uh, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to be scaling much higher heights and, uh, you know, 50,000 is probably going to look like a dwarf 10 years from now, but never know what's going to happen a few months from now. Related to the, you know, the equity bull run, if you may call it, um, with so many companies going public, do you think the IPO craze is overhyped? And since we are on the topic of IPOs, I want to know what your views on the SPAC boom are. So, yeah, definitely we've seen a lot of IPOs uh, in the last uh, year and there are a lot more lined up for the next six to eight months. But uh, I wouldn't call it overhyped. I mean, again, it, it all depends on how your portfolio is positioned and how you're looking to position it, right? So there is always a time to uh, cash in and raise money and, and there's never a, a better time than when people are actually bullish on the market and are looking to invest in the market. So, in fact, uh, you know, it sort of makes sense because you wouldn't want to come out with an IPO when people are scared, uh, you know, they're taking money off the table. And this is a good time to come into the market. That being said, uh, the valuations are something which you need to consider more rather than the timing of the IPO. So um, uh, an IPO may be, uh, if it's valued correctly, even during a bad time, it might be a good investment. But if it's overvalued, it just won't make sense even during a bull run. So again, I, IPOs usually, obviously, uh, you know, historically we've seen that they do come in uh, bunches. Again, for the same reasons that people are willing to invest and you need that continuous liquidity, right? Because once you fail an IPO, it just reflects very, very poorly and, uh, you know, very difficult for you to come back to the market then. Uh, coming to SPACs, uh, let me just, just quote uh, something which I read uh, just today and it's it's very poignant and uh, after that I'll tell you who, who said it. So SPACs reflect other trends in society including how social media and celebrity worship have taken over every aspect of our lives. SPACs are the coming together of that celebrity worship and social media into IPO investing. And uh, this was said by uh, Mr. Ashwat Damodran, and he said this in the context of Shaquille O'Neal advising and promoting the SPAC buying WeWork. So I think, uh, you know, when you don't have uh, something uh, valuable to add, you should always uh, quote someone who's much, much, much more intelligent than you. And definitely no one better to quote than uh, Mr. Ashwat Damodran. But yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I do say is that uh, it is always a good opportunity for Indian startups. So uh, if they can't get listed in India, a SPAC is a good opportunity for them to get listed abroad. Most people who are acquainted with the world of finance, even superficially have heard of Aswad Damodaran and his intellect. And I think Nikunj, by invoking his words, you've really paraphrased your 
views on the SPAC boom and the IPO craze in India. With that, we come to the end of the podcast. And Nikunji, you've been so gracious and open in walking us through your life as an investment manager at Marwar Capital, from talking about your work to making sense of the world and especially in context of Indian capital markets and the world of venture capitals and private equity funding. Thank you so much for listening. We hope our conversation helped you to build your skills beyond the resume.